Welcome to By the Ghost Light, where we have to talk about how the Macy's Day Parade started. Because Leah Michelle appeared on my television, and I think it qualifies as a jump scare. Hi, I'm Ryan. I'm Cassie. And we are fully in the holiday spirit between Thanksgiving and Christmas. We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, We're going to talk about Christmas Carol for a while. But Leah Michelle appeared on my television this past Thursday morning. And I was unprepared. Yeah, I missed it. Oh, it was it it was worth it. It was actually pretty good. Yeah, I've seen I've seen the clips, but I didn't see it live because we weren't at my grandmother's yet. Sure. To watch the parade, we were doing something else on Thursday morning, <laughs> and I don't remember what <laughs> because even though it was only three days ago, from our perspective. A, my life has had a lot of things in it since the beginning of Thanksgiving Day because Thanksgiving is a very busy time for my family. It is a very busy time for your family. And I want to talk about Leah Michelle, but first we're going to talk about chocolate. We are. And why? What is the connection? You might be saying. Cassie, how much chocolate did you make in the last three or four days? Well, in the past week, approximately 12 members of my family have spent seven days or so cooking and hand dipping roundabouts 220 pounds of candy. Naturally. What else yeah, would you be course. doing? Exactly. Yeah, what obviously. else? What do you do at Thanksgiving? Do you take time off of work for this? Not exactly. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, other members of my family do. Um, my mom did take time off of work. And I think uh, some of my aunts and uncles may have taken time off of work uh, to contribute to candy making i always request the saturday after thanksgiving off i request Mm -hmm. to not be scheduled but i don't have to like take vacation time for that entirely so for those of you listening along that might not actually know us personally uh (laughs) cassie her clan has a long and proud history spanning decades nay a century not quite a century but we're we're getting close to a century so Basically, my great-grandmother, during the Depression, learned how to dip candy, and she worked in a candy shop. She was a window dipper, um, so she would sit in the in the window and, and dip chocolate to get people to come into the store and buy candy. And that was one of the ways that she helped support the family during the Depression. And she, one year, with her husband and her son, my grandfather, made 300 pounds of candy and went and sold it door to door. When that was done, when the depression was kind of over and things had improved, she really liked being a candy maker. She liked having this tradition, but she never wanted to sell it again. And so she taught her son, my grandfather, how to make the candy. And when he married my grandmother, she was taught how to make the candy. And so every Thanksgiving, my family comes together. We're on five generations now. We come together, we make all this candy, and we give it away as Christmas gifts. It's delicious. We have a good time. Uh, It's grown. I think my great-grandmother had like maybe five or six flavors that she would make, and we now have 21. Oh, wow. That's a lot. I was going to say 16 or 17, so 21's a lot. We have 21 that we made, well, 22 technically if you count toffee, that we made this year. We have made as many as 26 different flavors, but it fluctuates um, each year depending on like time and ingredients and and manpower and things like that and so this year was interesting because 
Um, some of my, my cousins who normally come weren't able to because they recently moved or started new jobs and couldn't get the time off. And my mom actually came down with COVID the week before Thanksgiving. Oof. And so didn't know if she was going to be in a position to come help. She was. She's fine. She's okay now. She had a fairly mild case. And so she got a negative test like right before Thanksgiving week started. So she was able to come. And so... We were a little worried, like, are we going to have to cut flavors this year? Are we going to have to cut down numbers this year? Because we don't have as many people who are able to come and help. But we did pretty close to our usual amount. Um, I know that we boxed up 180 pounds to give away. Wow. In terms of, like, these are the boxes that we're giving to people. And then on top of that, we had enough for all of us to fill several stock boxes just to have for our own households. So it was definitely over 200 pounds of hand-dipped chocolate that my family made because it's what we do every thanksgiving and this has been cassie's candy corner here on the theater podcast you know yeah. normal things we did listen to the into the woods soundtrack at one point while well, that's we were making candy so. that's important it's yeah. very good too and everyone needs to be exposed to it because i enjoy throwing chase under the bus whenever possible as our fearless leader uh how much candy did chase make chase did he was there helping to make okay candy. um okay Good Most job, Chase. of the this is going to sound like very gendered and it's not really. Most of the men in my family don't help with the actual dipping of the candy simply because they tend to have higher body temperatures. And if your hands are too warm, you have a lot of trouble getting the chocolate to temper correctly the way that it needs to. As females, we tend to have lower body temperatures, and so we're the main dippers. And then I have, I do have one cousin, Ben, who helped dip a little bit this year. But Chase helped. He, I don't think he helped with any of the cooking this year just because of his work schedule, but he helped to roll the pieces, and he helped with, like, the various tasks around the room and boxing up the candy, and he was a big help on Saturday when we were taking the 200 pounds of candy that we made that were in boxes by flavor and putting them into box by like, here's a mix of 21 flavors for you to eat and enjoy. That does sound like a great time to listen to the new Into the Woods soundtrack. Like that sounds delightful, like perfect holiday backdrop. Once it hits the Friday after Thanksgiving, we have a rotation of like 20 different Christmas CDs. That makes sense. But you do have to wait until after Thanksgiving. We have to wait till after Thanksgiving. That's important. That is Mm -hmm. important. Taking us all the way back to the main point, you know who didn't wait till after Thanksgiving was Leah Michelle because Leah Michelle. she was on my TV at 9 a.m. Thursday morning, and I was unprepared. I believe it was a Glee fever dream. I'm not completely convinced it actually happened. Twitter tells me it happened, but it was uh, astounding to watch Glee happen on my TV here in the year of our Lord 2022 because that's not a thing anymore. And no, yeah, and mm-hmm. it was really good. Like that's the that's the best slash worst part because Leah Michelle, because of Glee, might be the best lip syncer on the planet. That's fair, and there were a lot of not great lip syncers. Limp syncers. There were a lot of really <laughs> not great lip syncers in the parade. Yep. Which is always true. But no, she she knows what she's doing and she's talented. She just bugs me. Why does she bug you? Recently, most recently. Recently, because she did lip sync. So that meant that meant there was a recording that she could lip sync to of her own voice. So Funny Girl's getting a cast album. What? Yeah. Wait, hold on. Hasn't this mm-hmm. show been out for like over it a year sure now? It has. Like, and don't they that... usually... 
Doesn't that usually come out at the beginning of the process, Cassie? At the beginning or very soon afterwards, or at least if it does come out some weeks or months into the process, it's usually with all of the original cast who put the show on Broadway. Only, I think, seven times in the history of Broadway cast recordings have they ever done a Broadway cast recording with not the originating cast. So you're telling me that if I wanted to go listen to the Funny Girl uh, revival, which by uh, most accounts is okay... Mm-hmm. I would not be able to listen to uh, Beanie Feldstein and Jane Lynch sing. No. no, because the cast recording is not going to feature Beanie Feldstein or Jane Lynch. I understand why she left early now. Mm-hmm. I would. I get it. Mm-hmm. It's just like I, I acknowledge openly that we do not know the details of what went down in the room. We do not know the details of how all of this shook out. But it just smells bad to me. And it looks bad to me. There's no way this was handled well. Like, even if it was handled well, like, well is such a low bar. Like, it's not possible for it to go well. I think part of the reason it rubs me the wrong way so badly is because when they announced this revival of Funny Girl, they hung so much on Beanie. Yeah. Like, her face was on the poster. Yeah. She did all the talk shows. You could see her everywhere. She had a social media presence all of a sudden. She was on YouTube everywhere. Pushed her out as the face of this revival. Which is the point of the show. Yes. And then for her, because the show didn't do as well as they anticipated, for all of the blame of that to be put on her, which it was. Oh, absolutely it was. And then to say, oh, we're going to bring in a ringer. Yep. To replace you, and we're going to give her the cast recording. It sucks. It It sucks sucks for her. It sucks for Beanie. It sucks for uh, uh, Julie uh, Julie Benko. Benko. Julie Benko. Benko, who's a delightful TikTok follow, highly recommend. um, Who served as Beanie's understudy and then filled the time before Leah, and now serves as Leah's understudy. It is just a disaster of a mess. So normally, when Uh, you do a Broadway show, you sign up for a year. Like, you commit to a year, that's your contract, it's going to last a year. And then after that year is up, generally, the stars get the choice if they want to continue with the show, if they want to go do other things. If it's gone well, they usually go do other things because they have a lot of opportunities available to them. Case in point, Hamilton. All the stars left after a year. Thankfully, they recorded it first. But... For this, they told Beanie that she wasn't going to be renewed, basically, and that they were going to bring in Leah. And then she decided to not finish out her year, and they let her walk. It's not just that Beanie stepped out and Leah stepped in. Leah stepped in, and they added another song for her to sing. Yeah. And they changed the costumes, and they changed some of the choreography, and they molded the show more around her and it just feels really apparent that that was kind of what they wanted to do the whole time yeah but she was busy having a baby if you wanted leah michelle to be your show wait a year and cast cast leah michelle to be your show because like the other times that it's happened where an original actor was replaced for the the cast recording it happened for secret garden sure did 
because the original Colin's voice changed. Yep, that happens. And he couldn't sing the part anymore, yeah. which and I think he that sang... almost happened to my Colin mm-hmm. when it's I directed high. it. That's it's a high, high part. part. And my Colin could sing it when I cast him and was really struggling with it by the time the show performed. But even then, the original Colin sang some of it, right? I think he sang a yes. couple parts. Yeah, he was able to record the majority of his material, but his understudy had to do the super high songs. Right. You know, normal things. I vaguely remember this. Very, very vaguely remember this. Because this one happened when I was in high school. Um, Wonderful Town in 2005. Donna Murphy played Ruth. Mm -hmm. And then she was replaced with Brooke Shields, who did the cast recording. For, like, replacing Donna Murphy. You had Donna Murphy, mm-hmm. who, if you aren't sure familiar, did. is the voice of Mother Gothel in Tangled. Yeah. Donna Murphy, and you replace her with Brooke Shields to sing your cast recording. Yeah, that's a good idea. Great, great plan there. This has only happened, what did we say, seven times? Uh, that number might not be accurate, but... um, It's rare. Not often. This not is, often. It is very is rare. rare. It is insulting it is unprofessional it's not quite the right word but at the end of the day broadway is a business it is and things like this happenings like this remind me of that and it's always about you know the bottom line it's about the money that you're making and it's not necessarily about the heart and the art and i can think of another story that falls in line with that message this is a this is a belabored transition but i'm doing my best ryan are we talking about high school musical cassie no we're talking about a christmas carol right ta- oh, okay my other favorite story <laughs> anyway that was that was not my best transition work ever mine are no better but i know you want to talk about a christmas i want to carol, talk, so about, a talk christmas about a christmas carol. carol so uh happy holidays everybody this will come out in december and cassie and i were trying to figure out oh what should we what should we talk about what would be timely and topical and then I saw an ad on my television for a new film, and it is a film, a new work of art, a new addition to the Christmas canon. Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell decided to get together and, and do some ditties and uh, make some music that Pasek and Paul wrote, and we're going to talk about Spirited. We're going to talk about Christmas Carol. But we're going to talk about Spirited. We're going to talk about Spirited. Now, if you, for some reason, somehow have been living your life and are not familiar with the story of A Christmas Carol, then I'm going to need you to pause this. Pause. Bop on over to the Shakespeare page of Ghostlight Media. Perfect. Because Shakespeare did a couple episodes um, on A Christmas Carol. Charles oh, Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Great. Where we did an in-depth breakdown of the story beat by beat all the way through it and then talked about some of the adaptations. So yeah. if you're not familiar with this cultural, you know, touchstone and all of the ways that it's been put forth into the world, go and listen to those episodes and then come back and listen to us talk about this new one. We'll wait. Okay, that's long enough. Mm-hmm. Ebenezer Scrooge is like my dream role one day. I know I have to wait, but I am so excited to get old and gray so I can play Scrooge. Do you care what what stage version it's in? Well, I have some thoughts. My voice is only so good. My favorite version of A Christmas Carol, and this is controversial, 
and we've talked about this off microphone, but I will put this into the world now. My favorite version of A Christmas Carol is A Christmas Carol the Musical from 2004, and it's not just because I've performed some of it, and it's from my childhood. Kelsey Grammer is Scrooge. Jane Krakowski plays The Ghost of Christmas Past. Jesse Martin plays The Ghost of Christmas Present. Uh, Jason Alexander plays Jacob Marley. Brian Bedford, Claire Moore, and Ruthie Henschel are all in this. Jennifer Love Hewitt plays... I don't know why they renamed her to Emily Bell. It was Bell. Whatever. It's delightful. The music is very good. I really enjoy it. That's my favorite Christmas carol. Yeah, I, it's my favorite telling of, of the Dickens tale. Like I feel like it's the one that holds the most true, but also is uh, wildly entertaining. And I, it's the rare rare book that I feel like is served better by having music tell the story. I can agree with that. Because most of the time when you have a book and you turn it into a, a, a play or a movie or a whatever, you don't usually go directly to musical. And we certainly didn't with A Christmas Carol. There are a zillion adaptations of this. Uh, some straight play, some uh, film with no music, some animated. But uh, I, I think that the music serves the magic of the story quite a bit. Um, I'm also highly biased because I have performed in A Christmas Carol, I think, eight different times. Wow. I have I have done this show a lot in various versions, and I really, really love this story. And I really want to talk about Spirited, but I got to set up Cassie because I said that my favorite version of A Christmas Carol is this musical version. And Cassie would very much like to tell you why I'm wrong. It's because the Muppet Christmas Carol exists. It's so good. That's why you're wrong. It's so good. Um, No, Muppet Christmas Carol is like the Christmas movie in our household. It is not Christmas until we watch it. We watch it while decorating the tree. Like, we get our tree, we come home, we set it up, we watch A Christmas Carol and put the ornaments on the tree. I'm so excited because Disney Plus is adding the remastered version where they're putting back in the song that they cut that is one of the decisions that has made me angriest in my entire time of life on this planet was the, the decision the bell to song, cut right? the, the bell song when Love is Gone from like the theatrical release. Yeah. You have to watch like the the widescreen version on the DVD. Yeah. I yeah. think to get it. And they're like, well, it's too slow and it's too sad and people stop paying attention. I'm like, but there's a reprise of it at the end of the movie and it doesn't make any sense. You kept the reprise. You got to have you got to have the song. You got to have the song to have a reprise. But I just I absolutely love the Muppets version. I love the music for the Muppets version. It's some really beautiful, iconic songs. And Michael Caine is phenomenal. He plays Scrooge in that Michael Caine could have not shown up for work for like three <laughs> months. And instead he said, I'm going to play this absolute dick as straight as possible, yeah. surrounded given, by Muppets. He's given interviews where he said that he approached the role as if he was playing against like some of the best Shakespearean actors and he took it that seriously. And it shows it does like that's part of the reason why his performance resonates as much as it does is because it doesn't matter that he's acting opposite a frog and a bunny and a guy going me, 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 me. Like, I'm sorry. Could you do that one more time? (laughs) My beaker impression? Yes. Can we have your beaker impression again? 
All right, great. Thank you. Thank That's going to be my yes. ringtone now. <laughs> uh, I have a degree. I went to school to learn how to do things like that. Yep. Um, did you know that Bunsen and Beaker uh, had a song originally? Yes. Yes, they did. They got, they got cut, but uh, it does Thank exist God. on the soundtrack. Yes, it does. It's called Room in Your Heart for Love. And at one point, Bunsen passes it over to Beaker and he sings his own little verse of this and it's, of course it's Beaker, it's so who, bad it's so bad it's, it's good oh it's so hilarious to listen to sam the eagle also had a song that got cut as it for should, the better yeah for the better for the, the better yeah the pacing of telling a christmas carol is is intriguing to me like how when you get to certain beats of the story like i will go see anybody put on their own adaptation of this story because I like seeing the new takes on it mm-hmm. and the fresh takes. But to to before we move all the way then to Spirited, I will say that the way I have rationalized Muppet Christmas Carol, because I love Muppet Christmas Carol, the way I have rationalized this is that the 2004 musical with Kelsey Grammer is my favorite telling of A Christmas Carol. The Muppet Christmas Carol is the best Christmas movie. Okay, I accept this. This is how I have rationalized this I in my head. Uh, and I, I have not watched Muppet Christmas Carol in preparation for today. That will probably happen tomorrow. I really like that they incorporate Charles Dickens into the story. Mm-hmm. And so they're able to keep some of that really classic language from yeah. the book in but you also get to like poke fun at it and give information to the audience in a way that doesn't feel like weirdly info dumpy there's also a movie that came out a few years ago that i do recommend called the man who saved christmas Mm -hmm. and dan stevens plays charles dickens in that version who is being haunted by his characters as he tries to write the story and the late great christopher Plummer plays scrooge in that version and he's phenomenal He's so very good. It's a delight. There are so many versions of this, and it's so, it's so widespread. Like, you can you can kick a can, and another adaptation pops up. Like, apparently, we're getting another. Uh, we got Spirited like within the last couple of weeks, and apparently, Netflix is re- releasing a new uh, animated version this year. Well, any animated because version has to be better than the Jim Carrey animated version, which we is don't talk awful. about it. We don't talk we about don't it. Talk about it. Who do you think Netflix, with their their boatloads of money, has tapped to voice Ebenezer Scrooge, a live action Disney villain? <laughs> I'm trying to put all of these clues together. A live action Disney villain to voice Ebenezer Scrooge in Scrooge: A Christmas Carol, only on Netflix. I do not know. Tell me the answer. Luke Evans. Okay. I don't know why Gaston is playing Scrooge, but here we are. I don't either. It's just the voice. Yeah. Uh, But they do also have Jonathan Price as Marley. Oh, okay. Marvelous. So that's good. And Olivia Coleman's The Ghost of Christmas Past. Marvelous. So there might be some good here. But there is good. There is so much good in Spirited. So let me tell you the first thing that I love about Spirited. Please. This is going to be a long list. This is going to be a long list. Um, if you haven't watched it, by the way, and you would like to watch it without being spoiled, Pause you here. should go watch it. Yeah, it's on Apple we TV. Are going, TV we're going to spoil this. Oh, yeah. It's um, also a Christmas Carol. So 
It is a Christmas Carol, but they do. There are things that can be spoiled, even if you already know the story of a Christmas Carol. Oh, for sure, for sure. One big one. One big one. <laughs> but this is this is a modernization of a Christmas Carol, which I feel like has been done successfully far fewer times. Hallmark ha- tries every year. Yes, but I I. Granted, I haven't watched a lot of modernizations of Christmas Carol because they're almost always bad. Yes. And part of the reason for that is, first of all, that I don't feel like they update the messaging for Mm -hmm. the modern world, which I feel like you do need to do a little bit. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah. And also because they try to convince me that there's this version of the modern world that the characters are living in where the story of A Christmas Carol doesn't exist. Right. And that's a problem because the story of A Christmas Carol is so ingrained into our society and into our Christmas traditions. So much of what we do around this holiday exists because this story exists. Absolutely, it does. So, Spirited, uh, I shouldn't have to tell you what happens because he just paused us to go watch this fine film this delightful christmas classic will ferrell plays the ghost of christmas present ryan reynolds plays uh clint briggs uh the scrooge character uh and we live in a world where uh this the scrooge story the dickinson tale as they describe it exists and is real and every christmas season the afterlife run by jacob marley and the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future spend the entire year pouring all of their resources and research into saving one soul, changing one life, and watching the ripples happen. And hopefully they succeed. Uh, enter Ryan Reynolds, Clint Briggs, who is marked as unredeemable, and Will Farrell takes that personally. He does. And for those of you who are sitting here going, Cassie and Ryan, you just did an episode about a movie. You just did an episode on Rosalind, which was not really theater related. And you justified it with some very, very thin reasoning. That was Romeo and Juliet. That was Romeo and Juliet. It was fine. How can you do it again? And I can do it again because Jacob Marley is played by none other than Broadway legend. Patrick Page. Played brilliantly to perfection. Played brilliantly. Brilliantly. I forgot who that was constantly. Right? It was so good. He came on stage. On stage. On stage. He came on screen. He he came on screen and was mesmerizing. He was. And then he opened his mouth and he spoke. And I was like, I know that voice. Why do I know that voice? And I was like, that's not Patrick Page. Sure is. And then I was like, that is Patrick Page. Sure is. Absolutely. Don't know how they got him to do this. I don't either. (laughs) I will say this. I will say that this is not a perfect movie. Oh, God, no. But do you know what it is? It is a musical. It is a musical. And, And there were several points while I was watching it where I was saying, I don't know that this needs to be a musical. I don't know that there needs to be singing and dancing in this, but, but in the movie's defense, it also is aware that it does not need to be a musical. It is wildly aware. <laughs> it is so self-aware of that. So the afterworld in this story, the afterlife is a musical. 
Like people just sing and dance, and that's how they explain it. So that means that everybody can hear the music. So oftentimes a spotlight will pop on or a uh, the, the first note of a song will be played and everyone will go, oh, it's time to sing. But the, instead of like keeping it that as their inner voice, they say that out loud. Yes. They go, oh, it is time for a song. Oh, no, not another one. Frequently, the running joke throughout the movie is that Jacob Marley, every time it happens, goes, do we do we need to... Do we need to sing right now? Do, do we, we need to do this? Do we need another one? Do we need another one? And so I think that self-awareness helps me go, no, this is fine. The fact that the music is Pasek and Paul. It is Pasek and they know and what they're doing. They absolutely know what they're doing. However you feel about them, however you feel about Dear Evan Hansen, that duo knows how to write music. Sure do. And, okay, so I watched Spirited not knowing that it was the two of them behind it writing. And I got to the end and it said it was them and I'm like... No, no way. This wasn't this wasn't good enough to be them. And that's when I realized that that's how good they are, that they were able to write like at some points almost like cringy musical, but like leaning into the cringiness mm-hmm. and the awareness of it. And the, like it's it's so good. It is yeah. not good, but it's so good. <laughs> it's fun. This movie is fun from start to finish. You can tell that the people who were working on it were having a great time. Um, there are interviews with Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell and Olivia um, Spencer. No, Octavia, Octavia Spencer. Spencer. Um, we just said Olivia Coleman. That was why that name was in my brain. Sure. That's Octavia fair. Spencer um, talking about doing like eight weeks of dance boot camp. Yeah, they did. I've never heard Will Ferrell sound so much like a novice middle schooler who just joined his first musical. As in these interviews where he goes, you know, you don't realize how hard it is to sing and dance at the same time. Sure is. It's like, yeah, Will. Hey, Will, that's hard. He did a good job. He did a great job. He did a great job. Ryan Reynolds did too. Like, And then they surrounded him with uh, Broadway people and it worked. Mm-hmm. Well, Broadway people and uh, in the uh, strangest casting choice I've seen in a while, uh, somebody somewhere decided that the ghost of Christmas yet to come should be voiced by Tracy Morgan. Uh Uh-huh. And I just, I hope whoever the brave soul was who put their hand up in that casting room and said, have you thought? Just hear me out. Have you considered? I don't think Tracy's busy. I bet we can get him. And he's just doing the voiceover. And then he ended up on set, apparently, and was mm-hmm. doing all of this stuff. Like, it was a whole thing. Um, Tracy Morgan's in this. Yep. Uh, Rose Byrne is also in this, delightfully, for like five minutes at the beginning. Briefly, so briefly. briefly. She's, the, uh, the, she's the first soul that gets saved. Right, and yeah, that's that how we, we see. Yeah, yeah, that uh, introduced us to the the lore of the, the the world. I do. I have some questions about this lore. Okay. For example, hit me. <laughs> how long has Jacob Marley been doing this? A long time. Because because we talk about how Scrooge was an unredeemable. So sure like was. Scrooge wasn't Scrooge wasn't the first. No. Was Jacob Marley already doing this before? Scrooge came along? We don't know exactly how many years uh Marley died before Scrooge, but it was a, it was significant. It, it was 7. Oh, it was 7? It was They se- said well, 7. 
it, when a Christmas Carol happens, when Scrooge is redeemed, Marley's mm-hmm. been dead for seven, seven years. Seven years. If I'm okay. remembering So if it's correctly. been seven years, then that means he has saved six souls successfully somehow before he said, I know what I'm doing now. I'm going to go save my old friend and he, we're going to make a lot of change and a lot of good. So, yeah. So the premise of this world is that this afterlife, we, we described it a little bit, but like. There's HR. There's HR. It's great. <laughs> that that was very funny. That was a very funny joke in the middle of the movie. That's great. Um, But they've picked their, their person and then they spend a year learning about this person and what makes them tick and what they can use to have Mm -hmm. this like reversal. And um, they plan out all of the scenes that they're going to show them in like past and present. They've got like actors on deck to, to bring in and it's just, it's so meta. And so of course I love it. They're literally rehearsing dance numbers. Yes. They're rehearsing the dance numbers they're going to do. They have tap clap. Like, it's so meta. It shouldn't work, but it does. And if it wasn't a musical, it wouldn't work. Right. Absolutely. Who had this idea? Who did? It was it was Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. Like I it firmly believe be. that they were the powerhouse. It has to this. be the two. Well, it was produced by them. Yes. Right. But I firmly believe that Will Ferrell had a fever dream. <laughs> And then called up his good buddy Ryan Reynolds, and he was like, look, man, I can't play the young guy anymore. I'll play the ghost. You play the young guy. Hey, do you know anybody who writes songs? But these two have such great chemistry, Ryan. I don't think this movie would work if it wasn't Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell either. No, I don't think it would. Like, it's just the two of them, and it's so good. There's so much about this movie that on the surface should not work. And somehow it does. The entire movie literally hinges on the two of them, despite their age gap becoming bros. Yeah. Like, that's literally the whole point. And it works. Yeah. So while they're researching the person who's supposed to be the soul, Will Ferrell sees. And you don't know that he's Scrooge at, at this point. That's Oop. Oh, we said it. Oh, oh no. Huh? Oh, no. Huh? Yeah. Uh, Will, Will that's Ferrell a, plays That's Scrooge. something that you as the audience should figure out pretty quickly. You should. Now, now you should. The first night I saw it by myself, I, I saw it coming. I figured it out because he called Marley Jacob multiple times. It yes. makes sense. Second night, went back with a friend who was nowhere near as familiar with it. They didn't see it coming. And they were not the only person in that theater to gasp. I believe that. I believe that. I got it as soon as uh, Marley was like, "There's no, we've never redeemed an unredeemable. And Will Ferrell was like, you did once. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Got it. I understand what we're doing now. And it makes so much sense. It's <laughs> yeah. just good storytelling. It is. There is a way that I think they could have done it a little bit better. Because I think the movie took a little while to settle into what it actually wanted to be. Mm-hmm. I think the early part of the movie is not quite sure what it's what story it's telling. Yeah. And so the whole thing is that these two are butting heads constantly, uh, Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds, because Ryan Reynolds' character, Clint, firmly believes that people cannot and do not and will not change. And so Will Ferrell is putting all of his chips down on, that's not true. Anybody can change. I can redeem an unredeemable. Yes. But Ryan Reynolds keeps trying to reverse psychology Yes. Will Ferrell. 
and it keeps almost working but not quite working yep and eventually like we get the reveal that he is scrooge and so then instead of being convinced ryan reynolds tries to go deeper into the psychoanalysis yep of him and it's played as a one-off joke but i wish that it had been incorporated a little bit more because he's like i was an unredeemable and i was redeemed and ryan reynolds clint is like yeah and how long did you live after that and he's like oh like three weeks yeah and i wish that that had been built into it a little bit more like i wish that his ryan clint's whole thing had been okay but you don't know if you would have changed like to have ebenezer be convinced like i was redeemed and be rock solid in that until Clint takes him back to his own time frame and gets him to sing the song and go back to doing the bad things. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. And then then uses that to point out, like, you don't know if you would have stayed redeemed because you died too soon. And have that be what sows the seed of doubt. I hear everything you're saying, and I agree, I agree with you. Except, spoiler, if they keep talking about and referencing three, four, five, six times that Scrooge died really quick. The new Scrooge, basically, Clint, Mm -hmm. Brian Reynolds, his death is nowhere near as jarring. I agree with you. I think there's a way to do it and to make it all work. I think that you don't necessarily need to mention over and over and over again that he died young. I just think that that needs to be more of a switch flip moment Mm. for Ebenezer of, oh, shit he's right maybe i would have backslid and that's when the doubting starts to to creep in sure but yeah so like at every turn in the story clint is like refusing to just go along with it he seduces the ghost of christmas past delightful loved it 10 out of 10 no notes (laughs) can you hey hey can you i need to know what his hair smells like yeah this is hr that's approved we just uh whatever whatever they need to know just ask and then uh, Will Ferrell takes a big old whiff and he says, cotton candy. <laughs> he interrupts Patrick Page's big, scary, like, Marley thing several times. Like, he keeps, like, raising his hand and he's like, wait, quick question. The only uh, number that the big Broadway star gets. Like, it is his number. <laughs> and Ryan Reynolds keeps putting his hand up to get stop it. I'm like... Like, I had flashbacks to us talking about, like, people in the audience talking and the, <laughs> and breaking character to stop them from, yeah, like, and, and it was finally, so good. It, my fav- one of my favorite moments is when he's finally like, you know what? I'm done. Forget it. Forget it. I'm not finishing my song. It's I didn't so want to do this in the first place. And he storms back into the afterlife and he's like, you get to handle it now. <laughs> Nobody wants this. It's so good. It's so good. uh, The movie is so self-referential. It is so clearly (laughs) meta. Like, there is a point where Will Ferrell, sorry, Scrooge, gets his retirement, which is a whole other plot in this, which I liked. It was weird, but I liked it. It worked. Uh He gets his retirement. He wakes up. They do a whole bunch of indoor plumbing jokes. We have to watch Will Ferrell shower. And then (laughs) he goes downstairs in Ryan Reynolds' clothes, which are way too tight, which they play for laughs, and it's a whole thing. And comes face to face with someone dressed up as Buddy the Elf. It's a musical, though. I, I can't explain <laughs> this film any better than, than that. Like, that sequence, but they're singing. 
But they're singing again. This movie would not work if it wasn't Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. It just wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. They can't remake this in 20 years. It's not going to happen. No, no, they cannot. They cannot. Ryan Reynolds has his big number at the beginning. This was another weird thing for me. It's like the afterlife is a musical, so I don't know why Ryan Reynolds is just singing and dancing. And costume changes and everybody's joining in. costume changes before he gets tapped by the ghosts. I don't know either, but I'm here for it. I'm here for it too. Like, I'll always listen to Ryan Reynolds sing. It was great. And he learned how to dance. He learned how to tap. Kind of. Yeah. 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 Kind of. Yeah. Enough. Enough that enough yeah. that he could make jokes about it. Yes. But so, like, we, we see this character constantly, like, thwart the expected. He's not going to go along with this. He's refusing to go along from this. He, like, gets to the moment in the past that Scrooge also had where you see Belle walk away and that's when he like kicks out the ghost of Christmas past and is like, I don't want to see this anymore. Ryan Reynolds just flat out runs away. Like he's like, Nope, I'm not going into that room to watch my sister die. And he just flat out like leaves. Yeah. And his sister is, uh, Carrie played by, uh, Andrea Anders played brilliantly. Like the whole family dynamic that, between Ryan Reynolds and Andrew Anders and then uh, Joe Tippett, who played his brother Owen, and then they have a Carrie's daughter. Like, it's a whole thing, but, like, well done. Like, mm-hmm. as the Cratchits in, in kind of, sort of. Um, there's no direct yeah. Cratchit correlation, but it could be them, or it's or it's the little kid at the, or the homeless shelter. Octavia Spencer kind of struck me as the Cratchit in a way. Yeah, like they did a good job of moving parts and pieces around. Like, this is a great example of, I mean, we talked about it with Romeo and Juliet and Rosalind, but, and then Shakespeare's talked about it at length, of not treating the source material as gospel. Right, and I think they helped themselves in that regard by making the story of Scrooge exist. Yeah in this world like it is already there so this is playing on the same ideas but it's not necessarily trying to 100 percent recreate those characters and you see clint fight against this constantly and and throw it back at will ferrell and have you know scrooge backslide a little bit through this dance number into being mean to people again and being like oh my gosh that does feel good i've been nice for like 200 years and marley has to show up and like drag him away and like he he sends uh ryan reynolds back to bed like he ends the scene stops the simulation it's a little matrixy at points like it's it's very it's a weird movie it's delightful but all of that happens and the core thing that is dealt with here is not can somebody change it's you have to make the choice every day to wake up and be and better and be that's different. That's what I was that's what I was saying earlier about modern versions not adapting the message. And I appreciate I think the most that that's what this movie does. Yes. Is it doesn't just give us a modern take on a Christmas carol. It gives us a more relatable message mm-hmm. for our world and our time, which is you're not going to be perfect all the time. You're not going to always be a good person. Like, you're going to have days where you lose your temper and you lose your cool and you do not great things. What's important is whether or not you are actively making the choice to try and be better. 
which uh, we haven't said the words uh, social media at all yet, but that is a large part of this movie. Yes. And because Clint Briggs is, uh, I don't know, fear mongerer on Twitter. He does marketing. He creates drama. He creates beef and all of these things as an idea of like stirring the pot but getting exposure. There's a whole plot about um, real Christmas trees are the only thing that make Mariah Carey happy. And uh, that that's the true meaning of Christmas. Like it's all it's a whole it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. It and, works. And it, yeah. So his whole deal is like the the good way to sum it up is we meet him when he's giving a presentation to like the national Christmas tree growers mm-hmm. who are struggling because everybody has fake trees and he's like okay so this is what we do we make it into a war we make it into a fight we make people choose sides and so he's mm-hmm. purposefully sowing discord as like his job. And then Jimmy Fallon shows up briefly. <laughs> Jimmy Fallon is in this movie. Yeah. Yep, technically. Technically. It is such a strange, such a strange movie. I really, really hope that in a year we can revisit this and go, oh, yeah, this is great. This is going to last forever. I really I hope, hope so. I, I hope really, so too. really want that to be true because I did watch it like twice in the span of 24 hours. Uh huh. So I'm slightly colored in my opinions. <laughs> And so we do eventually kind of force Clint into acknowledging that what he does is awful and there's a part of him that hates it. And it involves his niece, his sister, when she was dying, asked him to be the the one to take care of her her daughter. And he flat out said no. And he ran away from it. And that is like his bell leaving moment that he was running away from. And um, so now his niece is like 13 or 14. She's in middle school yeah. and she's running for student body president, but she's going up against this other kid who's like way more likable and way more confident. And so, and by all accounts, a good kid and a good kid. Yeah. A good kid. So Clint has his assistant, Octavia Spencer, who has a love story with Will Ferrell. They get, they get multiple songs, multiple songs. They did not need to, but they did. But they sure did. Um, it's a has, has her dig up dirt on this kid to use against him. And so when we go into the future, the ghost of, of Christmas yet to come, it's not so much him seeing himself. It's that he sees the impact that his actions convincing his niece to do this horrible thing will have on her. And that's what he changes for. And I really liked that piece of the message, too, mm-hmm. that that sometimes other people are worth changing for when maybe you don't view yourself as worth changing for. Yeah. And he sees what she would go through and what the, the other kid would go through. And that's why he's like, okay, I have to go back and I have to change this and I have to... to make a better choice in this moment for her sake. Yeah. And Will Ferrell's like, yeah, yeah, you did it. And then he's like, but no, I'm going to go to work tomorrow and I'm going to keep doing all the things that I've been doing. Yeah. He says, I'm going to rationalize this because that's what I do and I'm good at it. And then uh, Will Ferrell, Scrooge has another crisis of, well, if hold on. I thought we, I thought you were redeemed. I thought this was good. Hang up. Hold on. I may have made the wrong choice because maybe I can't be redeemed. And if, if the movie was 10 minutes longer, that would feel overplayed. But it's not. 
thank mm-hmm. God, because I was getting just I was just on the cusp of getting tired of Will Ferrell whining. I was yeah, I was just there. And that's part of the reason why I I want them to have made it a, a question that is raised by Clint, because otherwise it feels like you've gone 200 years in why this now? job like why, why now? now why yeah. now are you having all of these doubts and that's why i wanted it to be something that specifically yeah. was brought up by clint right they talk about like oh you could have retired 46 seasons ago or whatever like they talk about it uh, it would be different if they were like yeah 50 years ago we tried to do bring save this woman and she was an unredeemable and we failed yes right like that would make this story much more interesting if they were able to tie that in somehow mm-hmm. instead yeah. we get this and it it works there's just it does it, it the script could use but a little it, bit more it could have been a little cleaner but anyway he's giving this big speech and will ferrell's having a crisis and at this point will ferrell is human again but by, by the way we skipped human over that detail again but... i'll be human uh, <laughs> again thank you thank you you're welcome um and so he's doing this and he steps in front of a bus which i don't know if this is intentional or not but that is possibly a reference to another Will Ferrell movie. Oh, everything's a reference. Um, because in Stranger Than Fiction, it's that's also a meta movie, and it's also the only other Will Ferrell movie I like, so there's a lot of similarities here. Um, he, Will Ferrell is a character who's being written by Emma Thompson, mm-hmm. um, who hears her voice narrating his life, and then finds out that he's supposed to die by getting, getting hit by a bus. Ah. Uh. Yeah. And then at the last moment, because he goes and meets the author in person and begs her not to kill him, she has a change of heart and he still gets hit by the bus, but he doesn't die. I don't I think if you spoil a Will Ferrell movie, like it doesn't count. That's that's my opinion. <laughs> but yeah, so so Will Ferrell's about to get hit by a bus and Ryan Reynolds runs into the street. And pushes him out of the way. And that's when the time freeze of redemption happens, which is what I'm going to call it. Yeah. Because at the end of every Christmas season, when we know that they're well and truly redeemed, time freezes and they do a song and dance. Because it's a musical. Because it's a musical. So finally, time freezes. All the ghosts appear. They congratulate Clint on the fact that he's been redeemed. And Clint's like, but I wasn't. And they're like, well, but you were. So good job. Yeah, but you were. And he, yeah, he said, yeah, he even says, he even says, how do you know? That's the whole point, right? It's like, mm-hmm. how do you know? And he's and he's uh, Marley says, "We've been doing this a long time. Trust me, we know." I'm like, then what's the point of this movie, dude? <laughs> like, hang on. So it's not as clean as it could be. It's not as clean but as I, it could be. But because but... it was Patrick Page and the way he delivered it, oh man, I believed him one hundred percent. And then they sing the best song from the movie. Good afternoon. No, do a little good. Do a little, do a little good is also very good. It's a great song, and it, it really sums up this message of like it is about doing the best that you can every day and choosing to be a good person. It doesn't always happen all at once. And they sing this whole song, and it's this great moment. And then the movie ends, and we all live happily ever after. No, then time unfreezes, and Ryan Reynolds gets hit by the bus. And it is graphic. And sudden and jarring. Jarring. And then you see him pop up out of the truck where his body lands. And you're like, oh, phew, that was wild. And that's also his reaction. It'd be crazy if they actually killed Ryan Reynolds. And then he looks down and he sees his body. And then Marley is there. And he has this great line about, like, 
the sacrifice wouldn't mean anything. If it didn't have consequences. If it didn't have consequences. Which I think also really kind of taps into the updating of this message, which is that you have to choose to do good even though you know that life isn't always fair. Right, even though it might cost you something. It might cost you something, you still make the choice to do good. Yeah, you still make, not only do you still make the choice to do good, but every day. Yeah. You have to do it. And man, look, Patrick Page is real good because he said that line. And I'm like, if if that line comes out of anyone else's mouth right now to Ryan Reynolds, it doesn't work. It doesn't work, but it, it works when he, he says has it. the gravitas to it. This movie is wacky and silly and and just off the wall. But what really does make it work for me is the fact that Ryan Reynolds acts this moment with such heart. Because oh, you yeah. can see his grief. Like, you can see... And he's not upset for himself that he died. He's upset for Scrooge. Yeah. That, like, I just made him happy. Like, I just made him. And now he's frozen in time looking at my body with such horror. Because now we don't get the chance to actually be friends. And there are tears in his eyes because Patrick Page explains it. And he just goes, like, okay, I get it. I understand. But this ending sucks. Yeah, and it's so meta, but it's true. It was so, mm, it's just good storytelling. Yeah. And, and so the movie he, ends there, and we're all very sad, even though it's a musical. No, it doesn't. It actually it actually turns it around in a way that I really, really love. I do truly, I honestly love how they ended this movie. It's great. Because his sister comes out, and there's the bright light. She's an angel. She's an angel, and... He hugs her and she's like, come with me. And he's like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And he runs back over to Marley and Patrick Page is saying, no, go, go into the light. Go into the light. <laughs> Which is great. It felt like an improv too. Yeah. It, it did not feel like that was actually scripted. And and it makes me wonder, because I didn't, hadn't made this connection until you mentioned it earlier. It makes me wonder if the unredeemables, quote unquote, when they get redeemed, do have to die like almost immediately after that we know that's not true because one of the well they weren't necessarily unredeemables but they were the people that were chosen to be redeemed right they Mm -hmm. weren't they weren't marked as scrooges one of the people in that mausoleum of statues was dolly parton patrick page and company had to redeem Dolly Parton's soul at some point. All right. Which is well, why she does, which does explain how she does all of the good she does. That's true. Absolutely. But yeah, so so he goes, hang on, wait a minute. What if I don't go into the light? What if I have another solution? And then we do a jump cut into he is now the ghost of Christmas present. And delightful. he's revitalizing everything. It's no longer about just one soul. It's now about redeeming multiple people every season and he's like trying to get jacob on board he calls him jake which i think was like one of my favorite moments in so the good. entire he's like jake 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 like we're doing something new it's okay it's gonna be okay he's married to the ghost of christmas past little touch that was wildly unnecessary and i loved it <laughs> but it was cute it was great and she's like oh i've got this file and i just can't find a way to use it he's like let me let me handle it and he shows up at Ebenezer's house where he lives with Octavia Spencer. And they have the two kids that Ebenezer always dreamed of. And, and shows him the file and is like, let me get your eyes on this. Let me ask the expert. And so they still get to be bros. They still get to be bros. And then they make the best joke of the show, which is the show ends. The film is done. 
and they look out from the garage and make eye contact with the camera and argue over the pronunciation of reprise and then sing the reprise. Yeah. So they hear the music and like, do you, do you hear that? Do you hear? I hear. What is that? Oh, I think it's a reprise. No, it's, I think it's, it's a, a reprise. It's a reprise. Oh, is that how you? Yeah, it is. And then they do a uh, montage of the song. They sing the reprise, but it cuts back through all of the previous places they have been and they're singing the song in those places and then it ends with a full shot of the crew which i loved yes that was great and then they did a credit song yep and then they did and performed a credit song because earlier in the film jacob cuts off scrooge and he's like i don't want to hear the rest of your song you can have what you want just stop singing so then under the credits scrooge goes do you want to hear the rest of my song and then the song exists and it's a water dance number they're singing about ripples and they're dancing in water. And it made me so mad and so happy at the same time. I, feel I like love this that, movie. That is so true about so much of this movie. I really enjoy this movie. 20 minutes in, I was very uncertain. You just got to stick it out. Like 20 minutes in, I was like, I don't know about this. By the end, I was like, no, I know. I am sold. I am here. 100%. On board. 100%. Like, I am on board. This might be the fourth movie that enters into my yearly Christmas movie trifecta. The quad. There's going to be four of them now. In case anyone listening is curious, it's Do tell. Muppet Christmas Carol. One. The Holiday. Two. And Eloise at Christmas Time, Ryan. Which is another episode. Uh, that might be next episode. Who knows? Uh, no, this has certainly entered my mine as well. Uh, I would say Muppet, the two Christmas carols we talked about, Muppets and the Musical. Uh, and then I always watch uh, Year Without a Santa Claus. And then I also recently have added uh, Noel to that uh, because okay. Anna Kendrick is a Santa Disney princess, and I'm here for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This movie is fun. It's just fun. It's a good time. It's a great time. Like, I want to get friends together to watch it. Like, I this would be a great, like, get-together movie. It's it's delightful. You should watch it. Uh, IMDb has decided that this film is rated a 6.6. And IMDb is very wrong. 13,000 people are very wrong. This is a 10 out of 10, but also a 0 out of 10. Now I need to see what Rotten Tomatoes is giving it. Oh, do do that. That sounds great. Critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes. On Rotten Tomatoes is sixty-eight percent. Okay. Audience score is eighty-two percent. There we go. My faith in humanity has been restored. The ghost did it all in one night. The ghost? You mean our ghost? Our ghost. Did our ghost do it all in one night? Uh, You know what? I think Paris is still learning. But I think they, I think they could, I think they could get in. They'd have to talk to HR. Yeah, I, I can see them in the tap dancing like street scaffolding though. Hundred percent. One hundred percent. One hundred percent could see that happen. Do you think to bring this back to the actual theater? Do you think this could work on a stage? Ooh, I think if it was gonna have a hope of working on a stage, you'd have to have a Broadway budget. Mm-hmm. A lot of money lot of money to make it work because it's magic at the end of the day it's magic yeah i think it could but i also think it would lose something in translation Mm -hmm. 
Especially with, like, it wouldn't be Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds anymore. Right. Like, you'd be looking for the people to play them, right? Like, And I, I, I would want them to adapt the script accordingly. Yeah. It's funny because uh, Chase and I actually had a conversation with my brother, Matthew, last night about whether or not Muppet Christmas Carol could ever be put on stage. No. My answer is no. I I lean towards your answer, but Chase is adamant that it could work. I think a large part of that how, why that movie works is because Michael Caine put on the performance of his life, and it's mm-hmm. the nostalgia of Muppets. Mm-hmm. I don't think it works on stage because Muppets has proven to not work recently. Like it just doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work as a show it doesn't work as a this it doesn't work it it only works when it's in this very niche thing and everyone around it is taking it very seriously or very 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 campy i.e muppet treasure island yeah and there's just i don't think it works on stage because then we're just waiting for avenue q and yeah and we're supposed to take all these muppets seriously and it's like well are they going to swear or are they going to make jokes or nope they're just going to tell us the story of a christmas carol i don't think it works yeah, that's that's how I land too. Sorry, Chase. Sorry, Chase. You can be wrong. I kind of land on the same thing with Spirited that you did, though. Um, and I, it's similar to my thoughts on Greatest Showman working on stage. Mm-hmm. Like, you would have to change the script a bit. You would need to flesh out all these other characters more. You would, it would need some work, and it wouldn't quite be the same. And you would need you would need Broadway budgets. You would need Broadway budgets. You would, and then that's Hugh Jackman replace you jackman like but the music is so good and so popular that it could work mm-hmm. and i feel like spirited is very much in that vein of like it could it would take a lot of work and i don't know if that's going to happen right yeah we see we did bring it all the way back around to the stage we did full circle there you go it's like we're professionals or something professional storytellers professional storytellers we understand the importance of bringing things full circle what uh what fun facts do you have for us here at the end um i was just going to touch a little bit on the history of a christmas carol you know what year it was written molly was dead there's no doubt whatever about that uh it was written in oh no i don't actually know that ha 1843 1843 i was gonna say 1850 something so. It was written in 1843, and it was originally intended to be just a pamphlet, mm-hmm. to be just a treatise from Dickens on the state of um, the poorhouses and how children were being treated yep. in the Victorian era. And then he was worried that nobody would read that. Rightfully so. <laughs> or take it seriously and Rightfully that his, so. uh, his message would be lost. And so that's when he kind of decided to write it as this this Christmas story instead because he thought that maybe that would have a better chance of of winning over the people he was trying to convince which I think is true I think so too it's a lot easier to uh get people to listen to you when you have a compelling tale and not just uh, a list of facts yeah so it was published serially um it is by far one of his shortest works easily uh, see tale of two cities yeah and uh he later in life when he needed to you know make money 
he would go around and he would um, host lectures where he would just stand on stage and read this story in its entirety. And I've actually seen, um, it's in New York, it's in the New York Public Library. I have seen the book that he read from, his his oh, version wow. of the book with his mm-hmm. notes in it. That's pretty cool. Um, I actually, I've got a picture of it on my phone that I will send you, Ryan, Thank so you. that you can, can see it. I appreciate um, it. And, like, that was really cool to see in the New York Public Library. And uh, this kind of just became such a great beautiful story and if you've read an autobiography of santa claus by jeff gwynn which is a fun christmas time novel then you'll know that santa claus commissioned charles dickens to write this story because he was worried that people were um losing faith in christmas and he needed a ringer to help bring back the spirit of christmas you know what there's enough truth to that that i i you know i could buy that like Santa just needs some help every now and then. Yeah. I mean, every Chris, every Christmas story about Santa is about we all need to believe a little bit more. How about uh, we get a cratchety old Scrooge to redeem himself and we'll keep telling the story year in and year out, uh, showing no signs of stopping or slowing down at any point. No. Have you ever uh, performed in this? Because there are a zillion adaptations and it is constantly done. I actually have not, but I did work backstage on the infamous 2006 BGSU production. Infamous is a great word. I I worked in the fly gallery on that show, so I was responsible for hoisting in and out the banners of past, present, and future. Mm-hmm. I was not allowed to make it snow at the end of the show. That's You have to be special for that. I did have to sweep up all the snow at the end of the show. You do not have to be special for that. <laughs> no. And I also was on trapdoor duty for Marley's exit. Gotcha. Um, and that was Marley was played by Tommy Thurston, who was probably before your time. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, but I believe that Scrooge was Tyler Jack Ward Lemons in that production. That sounds right. And I say infamous because this production included a tiny tim death ballet and that's all that i'll say there about was it. Uh, a, a tiny tim death ballet yeah there's yeah. a tiny tim death ballet and marley spoken rhyming couplets and i think that that's going to tell you everything you need to know yep sure does sure does. <laughs> about this production i worked backstage on that but i've never been in this show on stage i have served as fred uh i've played fred i played young scrooge once like past Scrooge. Okay. And then uh, one year I got to serve as a Dick Van Dyke-esque narrator, which was a lot of fun. Uh, it was very uh, it was very Rizzo and Gonzo. Oh, but that's so much fun. It was so much fun. I got to walk around with uh, Chimney Broom and help with all the set changes and be like this fourth wall breaking narrator. It was a lot of fun and I enjoyed it. But then I also got to basically speak in the Dickinson language the whole time, which was, okay. great, which was great. It's a good show. When it's done well. <laughs> uh, but it's a good story. And there's a reason that these stories keep uh, keep getting told. Yeah, there's definitely a reason why this one endures and why we keep adapting it and keep telling it. And I think what I appreciate at the end of the day the most about Spirited is that it does make the message of this applicable mm-hmm. and resonant yeah. with a modern audience. So go watch Spirited. 
If you haven't heard anything else, go watch Spirited. Uh, It's a good time. It's worth a couple of bucks renting it or the Apple TV free subscription or whatever. It's worth it. Uh, And while you're there, you can watch uh, The Peanuts Christmas because I believe that's an Apple exclusive. So there you go. That is also an Apple property. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for coming along with us on this uh, longer than normal episode, but uh, very important. Uh, you can find us over at the Ghostlight Media Network at ghostlightmedia.net. Thank you to all of our patrons and backers over there. You can join the conversation over on our Discord channel. Tell us which part of Spirited made you just want to get up and dance and and why that part was Good Afternoon, because I want to learn that choreography. <laughs> it sounds great. And if you're a Patreon and you have access to our Discord, uh, when this episode drops, I will put into our Discord channel the picture of the reading script of Christmas Carol that I have from the New York Public Library. There you go. Look at that. Discord exclusives. You should support our network. But between us and all the other great shows of the network, uh, thank you very much for coming along. Uh, I'm Ryan. I'm Cassie. And join us next time by the ghost light. All right, Paris, you can cut it. Cut it. This has been a Ghostlight Media production.